This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Father, just speak to us today. Let, let us hear from you. My words are not very important, uh, but your word is extremely valuable. And I pray that you would just speak to us. I know we have different uh, points of need, and I pray that you would just enter our, our lives at those points of need. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I like to speak on topics that are neat and clean and black and white. Topics that allow me to say that the Bible says this authoritatively, there's no debate, uh, end of discussion. In, in Spanish, we have a little phrase that we say a lot, punto final, which just means the final period. I, I, I like topics like that that are just black and white, neat and clean. And, and at least from my perspective, there are plenty of those topics in the Bible. You know, for example, the matter of lying, I think, is one of those black and white uh, topics. And I know that today we've, we've fudged a little bit. We kind of joke about it. And, uh, you know, we have bad lies and then we have white lies. And we've kind of accepted white lies as, you know, not being real bad. But, you know what, the, the Bible clearly says, thou shalt not bear false witness. And so any effort to deceive by words or actions or implication, it's wrong. And so I, I think lying is a topic that is black and white. Another black and white topic, at least from my perspective, is the matter of, of taking the names, taking the Lord's name in vain. And, and I really don't understand how anyone could, could not understand what the Bible says about this. And, and I hope that you're not guilty of taking the Lord's name in vain, but many people are. And you know, as, as you kind of rub shoulders with, with the community, it's not at all unusual for, for you to hear somebody exclaim, oh my God, or, or they frequently use other forms of profanity, but God says that anyone who does that will not be left unpunished. To me, that's pretty black and white, neat and clean. The, the matter of drunkenness is, is another topic that I think is black and white. Now, I, I know some of you are saying, okay, JT, you've crossed the line on that one. Hold your horses and uh, are you saying that a drink on occasion will send you to hell? That, that's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't leave here saying that. I, I, I'm not saying that. My reference is to Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says those, and there's a list of sins, drunkenness is in that list, says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and so personally for me, I, I just figure that if I don't ever take that occasional drink, then I won't ever become a drunk. But then again, I'm just probably old-fashioned and out of touch. The matter of immorality is, is another black and white topic. So, so is the matter of, of murder. Throughout the, the Bible, there are those topics that are neat and clean, black and white, no debate, punto final, final period. But today's topic is not one of those topics. It has a certain tension that pulls and stretches you back and forth in opposite directions. 
Now, let me try to lay the groundwork for our topic. And, and, and this is kind of a follow-up to last week's lesson on the second greatest commandment of loving each other uh, as, as we love ourselves. But, but to set up a lesson, our, our lesson, let me use an illustration that, that many of you, and not all of you, but I'd say that 95% of you will probably be able to relate to. If you are a Facebook user, you not only know about the matter of, of friending, but you also know about the matter of unfriending. Maybe you have a person that, that you've accepted as a friend, and he or she, they turn out to be annoying, they're overly critical, their posts just get on your nerves, and so some of you know all about making the decision to click unfriend. And for those of you, the 5% of you that are not on Facebook, um, that there are actually three levels. When, when you decide that you can't take someone on social media, the, the least offensive way to deal with them is just to click unfollow. I mean, that's not a huge deal. It's not highly offensive. They're not going to know about it. Uh, but it's going to spare you some of the obnoxious posts that they make. Now, the next level, and, and this is a bit more serious, and, and that's to unfriend them. But, but again, this is not a huge thing unless they just go th down through the list. They're not really going to be able to determine uh, who, who has done that. Now, the third level and the most aggressive level is to block them. Now, that's major. Because when you block them, not only do you block them, but you unfriend them and you unfollow them. Now, to unfriend someone on Facebook is, is easy. You just click unfriend. I mean, you don't have to face them. You don't have to look them in the eye. You don't have to get into a heated argument with them. You just simply click unfriend. Um, and, 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 and that pretty much shuts people off from you. So uh, unfriending on, on Facebook is, is, is fairly simple. And by the way, how many of you have had to unfriend somebody on Facebook? Just be honest. I mean, this isn't a trick question. Some of you are afraid that I'm going to trap you here. I'm not. But, but on Facebook, unfriending is, is very simple. But in real life, unfriending is not quite so simple. In real life, choosing to unfriend and shut people off from you is a lot more messy. It, it, it creates generally an exchange. It comes from an exchange of words. Uh, people get upset. It gets ugly. Sometimes there's heated dissension among entire families. I've even seen it come into the church, and then I've even seen it go into the community. But, but perhaps the biggest issue that I have with unfriending someone in real life, and I'm not talking about on social media, we should probably unfriend more people on social media, but in real life, uh, unfriending someone cheapens the term friend. Because remember, last week we said that a true friend was someone who walks in when everyone else walks out. And yes, there may, may be that occasional time when you need to unfriend someone in real life, but it should never be as a knee-jerk reaction. It should never be because our feelings got hurt, because they said something or did something to hurt us. And so we respond with silence or we turn our heads, we don't talk with them. Whenever we do that, let me just say it. I think all of us can understand that that's very elementary and ungodly. Uh, followers of Christ should not be that way. But anyway, unfriending someone in real life should be very, very rare and done carefully and prayerfully. 
And not as a reaction to something they did to us or maybe they did not do for us. So in our study today, rather than saying that we may need to unfriend someone, we're going to change it. We're going to say that there are times when we may need to redefine a friendship. As a follower of Jesus Christ, there will probably be those seasons in your life when you will need to redefine a certain relationship, A, to show tough love. Because some people only learn through being the recipient of tough love. Or B, we may need to redefine a friendship in order to get out of the situation that is bringing us down spiritually. Because as Solomon said so clearly thousands of years ago in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he said, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. And for us in Cedar County, this verse might be better understood by saying it this way. If you hang with people who are wise, they will help you to become wise. If you hang out with a bunch of idiots, you'll also become an idiot just like them. That's the Cedar County translation. And if you look back over the course of your life, chances are pretty high that most of the time when you got in trouble, you didn't get in trouble alone, did you? You got in trouble because you were hanging with the wrong crowd. You know, when I was younger, almost every time I got in trouble at school, I was, I was with the wrong crowd. Um, I've told you about skipping out on, on, on class in high school. And, and, uh, but for those of you who are new to this church, you want some dirt on your pastor because people love to have dirt on the pastor. Let me just quickly review the story. I was a senior in high school, getting ready to graduate. We had about 120 seniors in my graduating class. And, and I know some of you may not believe this, but, but supposedly I was one of those good kids. I wasn't perfect, but I, I was a good kid. I, I normally didn't get in trouble. I was never tardy. I was, I was never absent. I applied myself to my studies. I studied until late at night, got up early in the mornings to study. You know, I worked hard. I, I, I kept up a perfect 4.0 GPA. I ended up giving the address at our graduation. I mean, I had scholarships to different colleges, was going into medicine until God called me into the ministry. But, but all of that, not to toot my own horn, but, but to let you know, I wasn't a troublemaker. I, I, I was, I mean, kind of a good kid. But I succumbed to hanging with the wrong crowd. And, and what I did, and, and some of you, you may do this every week, so you don't think it's a big deal. But what I did was to skip class to go play some basketball in the high school gym. And Jay, it doesn't sound very smart, does it? And, and, and it wasn't. I mean, here... To, to skip class and go play where basketball where you've got coaches and teachers all around, that's not very smart, but I did it. And it was pretty embarrassing when I got caught. We got caught. And, and this supposed good kid was lumped in with the rough crowd. And I suffered the same punishment, and it was really embarrassing because here I was punished just like the rest of the ruffians there with those that were known to be troublemakers. And Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, speaks to something that I did not do. It says, a righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Or the apostle Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So, that's my introduction. We're going to get to the topic here in a half an hour or so. 
So, so by looking at these verses and, and by this introduction that I've given, it appears to be pretty black and white, doesn't it? Always stay away. Always, always stay away from bad people because bad company corrupts good character. That seems to be black and white, neat and clean, right? Well, yes and no. Or we could just say, maybe. And this is where the tension comes in. It's, it's like this bungee cord that I have. Bad company corrupts good character, and so we need to stay away from them. And, and, and we say amen, and so there's the tension pulling us this way. But, but then the Bible also says in John chapter 11, verse, verse 19, that Jesus had the reputation of being a friend of sinners. So it sounds like we need to be with sinners. So there's the tension pulling us this way. So, so bad company corrupts good character. Stay away from them. There's the tension. But be a friend of sinners like Jesus. Be with them. You know, furthermore, Scripture says in Proverbs 22, some of you need to learn this verse. Keep away from angry, short-tempered people. Anybody know short-tempered people? So that seems pretty clear. Keep away from angry, short-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. So again, pretty black and white, stay away from short-tempered people. You will become like them. There's the pull this way. But then Matthew 5, chapter 13, we're told to be salt and light to a sinful world, unbelieving world, which includes angry people, pulls us that way. You see the tension? So it raises the question, should we always... Avoid people who are going to tempt us to do bad things? Or should we try to befriend them and be a light that shines into their lives and tries to help them? The answer is yes and yes. And that's the tension that we have to embrace. Now the question for us today is, how do we deal with this tension well, as we look at this, I believe there's a principle to help us. And, and, and here is a principle, a rule of thumb that I, I believe we need to build into our lives. And, and, and especially for you young people, and especially for you older people, especially for everybody. Here is the principle we need to build into our lives. If you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, and again, if I would ask you to raise your hand, I think most of you would say, oh yes, I'm a committed follower of Jesus Christ. If you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, then those three or four or maybe five friends in your inner circle, those friends that influence you the most, the friends that you spend the most time with, they should be committed followers of Jesus Christ. And let me repeat that. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then those three or four or five core friends that you have, those that influence you, those that you spend the most time with, they should be committed followers of Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that is because your inner circle of friends will normally be those who impact you for good 
or for bad. And so to help you stay strong and, and to give words of spiritual wisdom, maybe even words of correction on occasion when you go astray, your inner core needs to be committed followers of Jesus to help you live your life according to the principles of the Bible. Now, when your inner core, inner circle of friends are committed followers of Jesus Christ, what should then happen? Well, well your spiritual roots will begin to grow deeper. And then, what should also take place simultaneously is that as your spiritual roots grow deeper, then your reach will grow broader. Let me explain. When you're surrounded by the right friends, then you will be more spiritually grounded. And because of that strong support base, then you can at times hang with a party crowd. And not be swayed by temptation and the addictions that they may be involved in. You can love them, make a difference in their lives without compromising biblical values. But you have to have deep spiritual roots to be able to do that. If your inner circle is not made up of good and godly friends, then your spiritual root system will not be very deep. And so when you get around foul language, cussing, swearing, profanity... When you are exposed to those addictions that, you, that used to enslave you, there's a greater chance that you will fall back into those things again. You've got to have core friendships that are strong in the Lord. You know, Jesus is the perfect example here. If you study his life, you see he hung out with sinners. He, he was with the publicans who were the most despicable people in, in that society. He, he befriended prostitutes and immoral people. But did you notice who his core friends were? the disciples. Now, understand this. Jesus loved everyone equally, but he didn't let everyone into his inner circle. Uh, let me say that again. I want you to catch this. Jesus loved everyone with that same unconditional love, but did you notice he only recruited 12 disciples, not 25, not 100? And then out of the 12, he spent more time with three than the other nine. Again, he loved them all equally, but he chose his inner circle carefully. And, and, and there were times when people wanted to be with Jesus, but, but, but he'd basically draw a line in the sand and say, I, I'm sorry, I, I've got to spend time with my core friends. And they would jump in a boat and go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowds. Again, he loved everyone equally. He loved the Pharisees. He spent time with them, but... He knew they couldn't be trusted, and so he did not let them into his inner circle. Now, some of you are saying, okay, Joe, what does that mean for me? Well, if your inner circle friends are all cooking meth and selling them to 15-year-olds, you should probably redefine those relationships and not have them in your inner circle. Now, I know you don't do that. But perhaps some of us have as our closest friends those who are incredibly negative. They criticize everything. Every time we're around them, we find ourselves becoming more negative and less of who God wants us to be. And so maybe we need to redefine those relationships. It could be that maybe we need to redefine a relationship with someone who is tempting us to do things that are not honoring to God. It, it could be that someone we're really close to has a filthy filthy mouth and 
And, and you know, if, if you're not strong, I know this personally, that's contagious. And we find ourselves slipping and saying bad stuff around them. So maybe we need to redefine that relationship and not have them in our inner circle of friends. So again, you need to love everybody. But you don't have to bring everybody into your inner circle. One more time, Proverbs says, the righteous choose their friends carefully. Now, for the rest of our time uh, together, I want to give you two things that we should never, ever, ever, ever let our friends do to us, and then we're going to look at one commitment that we must always keep in all of our relationships. First, we must never, ever, ever, ever let our friends take us away from God's plan. And in the New Testament, that is what Peter, even though he had good intentions, tried to do. Jesus had just explained, guys, I'm going to have to die so I can be raised back to life. That's part of the plan. Peter was like, no, we've got plans for you. You can't die. We've decided you're going to be king. So no, Jesus, we're not going to let you die. And what did Jesus say in response to Peter's well-intentioned plan? Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Pretty strong language. I would encourage you to really think it through before calling someone Satan. But if you do, I guarantee you it will get their attention. But, but Jesus said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're trying to take me away from God's plan. And, and remember, Peter was one of Jesus' good friends. But Jesus was clear and said, Peter, you don't have in mind the things of, of God. You just have in mind the things of men building a kingdom to kick those Romans out of our country. So I can't let you take me away from God's plan. Now, again, I don't know how that might touch you, but maybe you have some friends and they're constantly wanting you to do things with them on Sunday, and it takes you away from gathering together in the Lord's house. Or maybe you have people that invite you to do stuff with them on small group night, and so you miss that time of teaching and prayer and fellowship with your life group. Or, you know what, I think this will touch some people here. It could be that you're trying to get out of debt. Or you're trying to break free from a materialistic mindset that tempts you to buy, buy, buy. You know, so-and-so convinced you to get Amazon Prime and you get two-day free shipping. And, and now, isn't it awesome? Sometimes it's one-day free shipping. And so it's so easy to buy, buy, buy. Or maybe you're trying to live a more simple lifestyle so you can be more generous and give to missionaries or help people that don't have a lot. But anyway, you've perhaps noticed that as you hang around with certain people, you find yourself spending money that you shouldn't spend. Maybe you've got the money, but it's just not good stewardship. Um, maybe you find yourself going here or going there on trips or to restaurants that you really can't afford. Maybe you find yourself, and, and here's our society today, we spend more and more money on just pampering ourselves. We like comfort. And, and so you begin to realize that you may need to redefine this friendship and not unfriend them, that they're not bad people, but being around them takes you away from what you feel God is leading you to do, and so you may need to redefine that friendship. Or it could also be that some good people have allowed sporting events or camping or whatever to become their God. And so uh, these people will try to get you involved with them. And so doing, take you away from your time with God. And, 
and, and, and your family, it, it could be, surely nobody here, but it could be that you're dating someone that's not following Christ. Young people, listen, and, and you have as your motto, I'll flirt to convert. You know, I'll keep working with him. He'll come around and, and you say, you know, he does have a good heart. He's got a Bible that the Gideons gave him in first grade. So there's a little bit of God in him somewhere. You may not see it right now, but I know it's there. Don't deviate from God's plan for your life. As the saying goes, you can't marry a fox when you're dating a dog. And so some of you may need to dump the dog. And I can't remember the chapter and verse for that scripture, but I'm sure it's in the Bible someplace. <laughs> Maybe it's in the book according to St. Joseph or someplace, I don't know. Do not be unequally yoked. We must never, ever, ever let our friends take us away from God's plan. Secondly, we must never, ever, ever, ever stay in situations where our friends continually tempt us to sin. Now, remember, we must love everyone. But Scripture says a man cannot take fire unto him and not be burned. And we must not place ourselves in situations of temptation. You know, an example of this was when uh, Joseph in the Old Testament was betrayed by his brother, sold into slavery. Joseph stayed faithful to God, and as a slave, he kept his integrity. It wasn't long until he found favor with, with Potiphar, his master, but evidently he found favor with Potiphar's wife as well because she took a liking to him, and in, in plain terms, she made some moves on him. And it's recorded in Genesis 39 where it says, One day, however, no one else was around when he was doing his work inside the house. She came and grabbed him by his shirt demanding sleep with me Joseph tore himself away but as he did his shirt came off she was left holding it as he ran from the house now Joseph got out of dodge he didn't stick around and say oh sister Potiphar it's obvious that you're being tempted for me right now uh, let, let's talk about it you know we can pray together and see how you can overcome this attraction for me and then we'll just kind of sing kumbaya together and everything will be good. He, he didn't do that. You know, the Bible tells us that, that at times we need to stand firm and, and fight, but then the Bible also says we need to run. We need to run like crazy. Don't stick around to see if you're strong enough to resist. Run! And so there may be those times when you will have to redefine a relationship with a friend because when you're around them, it's almost nonstop temptation to do wrong. You know, for example, if all of your friends are continually gossiping, and, and I really think that that's probably the, one of the number one sins in the church, the sin of gossip. And we've kind of made ourselves feel better by saying bless their hearts whenever we say something bad or we'll say you know we need to pray for so and so and then we gossip about them and make ourselves feel feel better but here's how to know if you are gossiping if all you ever talk about are people and you go from one person to another to another to another if all they're doing is gossiping then you may have to say not in a holier than that way just let them know you're not strong enough spiritually to handle gossip right now and you may have to walk out and then ladies ladies could you just look up here if your girlfriends are always trash talking men and saying 
you know, men are no good, you can't trust them, you can't live with them, you can't live without them, you know, they're all just such a pain. And That kind of talk will not help you have a better marriage. And, and so in a kind way, you may have to redefine the relationship, and, and again, not in a holier-than-thou way. Just tell them, we need to honor the men in our lives. They're not perfect, but we're not either. And I can't continue to be part of sessions where we bash men. Men, it's your turn. Guys, if all of your buddies, if if every time you're with them, it's all about the hot chicks, and oh, did you see her, and did you see what she had on, or did you see what she barely had on, or uh, you may need to kindly let them know that you're not going to go there anymore. And and if need be, just tell them that you've got one hot chick on your mind. She's your wife at home. And you've made a choice to not bring dishonor to her by engaging in this kind of degrading chatter. And and so there may be those seasons in your life where you will have to redefine those friendships that that lead you to sin. And the, the unfortunate truth is that many friendships are built on one common denominator. Do you know what that is? Sin. Many people get together so they can sin together. They, they get together to drink or they get together to do drugs or whatever. And I'll admit that sin can be fun. Yes, your pastor just said that sin could be fun. And, and anyone who says that sin isn't fun is either lying to you or they didn't do it right. <laughs> sin can be fun for a season. But that season of fun doesn't last very long, and it eventually leads to misery. So, so again, Scripture says that the righteous choose their friends carefully, which means that some of us today may need to go and replace some of our inner circle friendships with those who can help our spiritual roots grow deeper. Well, let's wrap things up by talking about one thing that we must always, always, always do. And that's love people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. You see, the worst thing that could happen as a result of this message is that we as a church begin to slip into thinking that we're better than others. And, you know, we just kind of go and polish our halos while we stay away from them. They're bad people. You know, just get away from evil people before we're contaminated. We don't want their evil to jump on us. That's the worst thing that could ever happen. When you you think about it, Jesus didn't unfriend sinners. He befriended sinners because he loved them. If Jesus would have unfriended anybody, it would have been the holier-than-thou hypocritical Pharisees. God has called us to love sinners unconditionally. And it's time that the church stop judging people that aren't Christians for not acting like Christians. You say, why are, why are those unchurched people acting so awful? Why do they do those things? Let me tell you, because they're sinners. They're not going to act like godly people. They need Jesus. And we need to love them where they are. And when we are filled with this kind of love, there, there are times when we may have to draw a line in the sand and say, you know, I can't go there. I can't do that. I can't say that. I can't watch that. I can't drink that. I can't listen to that. I can't smoke that. 
but I still love them. We may have to say, you know, I'm just getting over an addiction. I've been clean for six months is all. And I'm still not strong enough to be around it. So I'm going to have to redefine our friendship until I get stronger. It's not that I'm better than you. This is what I've got to do. But you always show unconditional love. And when you fulfill this teaching of Jesus to love one another, you know what will happen. This is so awesome. And John 13, 34 so, says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. And then don't miss the power of this. Verse 35 says, your love for one another. Let me start all over again. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So he's not saying, you know, people will know you're the real deal if you go to church. Not saying people will know you are the real deal if you have the right doctrine. You know, frankly, you talk to an unchurched people about doctrine, they will say, so what? And I'm not saying it's not important, but to unchurched people, to sinners, they don't care. Scripture says the world will know you're the real deal when it becomes unmistakably clear that you love each other. And frankly, it's, it's a black eye to the church whenever you have brothers and sisters that are at odds with each other. And okay, well, these two people can't go to the same service because they're fighting. That is an embarrassment to the church of Jesus Christ. The world knows that you are the real deal when you love someone that hurts your feelings. And you don't talk bad about them. The love knows you, or the, the world knows you are the real deal when you love each other with the love of Jesus Christ. So, as people at work see you, as people at the store see you, as people at the senior center see you, as people at the pharmacy or the restaurant see you, what do they see? Do they see a cranky, negative, complaining, never happy old grouch that they dread to see come in? Do they see a Scrooge? Do they see a crotchety old person? Or do they see someone with a heart of love? So I, I want to end our time together this morning with this question that I, I, I pray that God would just cause to penetrate into our hearts. Here's the question. What do people see in you? I mean, seriously, think about it. What do people see in you? Lord, I know that some comfort zones were violated this morning. I know we've been programmed differently in some of these areas. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to show the love of Christ. And Lord, during those times when we need to redefine a relationship, that we would do so with love, not in a holier-than-thou way, but Lord, we would do so. God, I, I pray for a couple of things right now. I pray that you would give us some core friends that are followers of Jesus Christ that will encourage us when we're down, lift us up and 
maybe when we're starting to go astray, they'll kind of kick us in the seat of the pants and say, you know, I'm concerned about you and I don't really like the direction that you're going and that would love us back onto the straight and narrow path. Lord, give us those core friends that can just encourage us and as iron sharpens iron. But Father, I, I, I pray that you would also then allow us to come in contact with sinners that don't, don't act like the church. They are the world and they don't act like Christians because they're not Christians. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to spend time with them. Because, Lord, when our roots grow down deeper, then our reach will grow broader. God, I pray that you would help us to stay strong. Your word talks about living a holy life that's, uh, God, where we can be pure and spotless before you. But, Lord, it also talks about being salt and light and the tension of that bungee cord. Just we're pulled back and forth. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just... uh, that we would make sure that we're clean and we're doing right. But on the other hand, Lord, make sure that we have an influence to the world that is lost and they need us. And for some people, Lord, we are the only Bibles that they will read because they won't come to church. They won't sit down at home and read a Bible, but they will look at us and I pray that they will see our love for them. So, Father, I just pray that as we leave here today that you would just spur in us just a desire, a passion. Lord, to fulfill your words of choosing our friends wisely, but on the other hand, to just making a difference in our world. So, Father, as we, as we leave here, I pray that you would just help us to purpose in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, there may be some people here that don't know you. We've been talking about followers of Jesus Christ, and maybe there's somebody here that just doesn't know you. And they desperately want to know you. They, they want to. They've been watching some people and they see that the difference of those followers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak to them right now. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.